So as we look at these uh, few last of the deadly sins, I'd like to start with a scripture um, for you. Um, and these scriptures, um, this first scripture is Matthew uh, 7, 13. So Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow that leads to life, and only few find it. So broad is the road that leads to destruction, and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. And this is coming from Jesus. He says, many follow the broad road, but few follow that small road. And this is kind of where, at the heart of um, coming against the sin of, um, of sloth, which is spiritual laziness, coming against that sin is uh, this, this important willingness and cooperation with God in not kind of getting kind of lackadaisical about the spiritual life. When we start to kind of like just kind of compromise a little here, compromise a little there, and we start to lose a, a, a zeal for becoming a saint. It actually can become repulsive to a soul, a soul that's been grasped by this sin of sloth um, is a soul that will become actually turned off by the saints, turned off by the spiritual life, turned off by the, the importance of sitting in silence and solitude in prayer. They're always, again, and, and they, all, the, all the capital sins tie together, obviously. So it's the same dragon. There's seven heads to the dragon, the seven capital or seven deadly sins. So it's the same Satan that's basically attacking us at different angles based on our disposition or areas where we tend to be weaker than others. And we all have our areas. So you got to know yourself. If you know God, you know yourself. God will bring you light in knowing yourself and knowing how, again, these tactics keep us from becoming the great saints. So keep that in mind as we reflect tonight. You know, small is the gate or narrow the road that leads to life. And so we really need God's zeal, God's fire, God's grace to bring us into this full experience of our humanity. Because one day, ultimately, you know, I want holy cards. Michael, Father Michael, holy cards. And you should want, you should want holy cards with your name on them. We should all want to be saints, right? We should want to be saints. We should want to think of nothing is more important in this life than to become a saint. And again, I don't think we sense or often we can kind of get, you know, one of the things with sloth we'll talk about in a minute is delay tactics. We delay the necessary investment that we need to make to become saints. And it's always tomorrow I'll do it. Tomorrow I'll do it. Tomorrow I'll do it. We never finish tasks. That's another big one with sloth. You never finish the tasks you start. You're always doing something else. And it's often because we're so much about that we're a beginner in the spiritual life. And, and we all at different levels can say that. Is beginners in the spiritual life don't want to sit silently. They want to be stimulated all the time. They want always to feel good. They always want to feel something that gets them going. But all the mystics, St. John of the Cross, Teresa of Avila... Um, Benedict, Scholastic, all these great mystics and saints of our church that are 
are the desert fathers, um, um, St. Anthony of the Desert, um, they all talk about the importance of remaining in prayer, regardless if I feel like I'm chewing on dirt or sand in my prayer time and there's nothing in the oven, I feel no sense of, um, of, of, of flavor, like, kind of like drinking a milkshake without taste, you know? We're just there in prayer. But what you got to understand is God's going to mature us if we allow him. And this is kind of what, what I think, you know, must, must, really, uh, must really show us God's patience. Is he knows that we have this potential to become amazing saints. But he also knows he can't force that upon us. It's like a coach or a teacher or a parent, but way greater. You have insight into someone's life that has so much potential. Like I've met, I, I, I play guitar and I sing, you know, with a blaze and worship, and I like to do music and prayer. But I've met people that have natural talents with their musical abilities, but they don't have discipline. And because they don't have discipline, those natural talents will just remain very mediocre. But if they would discipline themselves, their talents could be used so much for the glory of God. Like there's people in here that have gifts and talents. We have, everybody in here has gifts and talents. And God wants to supernaturalize our gifts and talents to glorify his name. Not to us be the glory, but to your name, Lord, be all glory, praise, and honor. Okay? Now... For that to happen, we all need what? We need to be disciplined. We need to be open to how the Holy Spirit wants to lead and guide us, okay? So let's dive into this more. So that first scripture, Matthew 7, 13. This next scripture is Luke 10, 42. I want to read that to you now. Luke 10, 42. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, why do I say that? Because coming against spiritual laziness is always choosing what's better. Not what feels better, but what's better for my soul. So do you see the, the importance of knowledge? Because the gift of the Holy Spirit that comes against spiritual laziness is knowledge. Because when you have knowledge, you don't see just the immediate gratification. A person with knowledge sees as God sees. A person with knowledge sees the things of the world that pass as simply merely worldly things that are passing. But the person with knowledge is able to detach themselves from the passing world and live for the glory of God. That means they might give up something that, you know, might bring them more gratification than, you know, the other choice. But this other choice is actually going to make them more a saint. So you see how the gift of knowledge... So again, the gifts of the Holy Spirit will operate in us if we ask. 
But the challenge with that is we get in the way. And when God the Holy Spirit starts to work in our lives, we resist. We say no. We start to back away. We start to avoid. Why? Because it's back to communion with Christ. We're being invited up on the cross. And we don't want to go there because we're more comfortable where we are. So again, see, sloth is kind of like a spirit of overly attached to an easy life. An overly attachment to comfort, to the easy way, the mediocre route, the route that is not necessarily going to lead us to God's glory. So the power of prayer warriors is prayer itself. And basically all of these evenings are about you and I becoming prayer warriors. If you're going to be a prayer warrior, you have to pray. Prayer warriors pray, okay? And the enemy wants to interfere with this power of prayer. And all of these capital sins are attacking with a sluggishness, basically a life of prayer, a life of becoming a saint, okay? So St. Thomas says sloth is a kind of oppressive sorrow which so weighs upon our minds that we want to do nothing. An oppressive sadness or sorrow that so weighs upon the human mind or heart that we stop wanting to do anything. We get discouraged. Again, it's an inordinate love of rest which leads us to neglect or omit physical, mental, or spiritual duties. We start to admit or not tend to necessary physical, mental, and spiritual duties. You know, I'll go to confession tomorrow. I'll, go to, I'll pray my holy hour tomorrow. We start cutting short our prayer time. We start slowly getting away from the discipline of prayer because we're not feeling anything, okay? So you got to see how the enemy's it's very concealed and very subtle, this, this capital sin, because many think that sloth and spiritual laziness mean doing nothing or kind of being just like a couch potato sort of in the spiritual life. But what you need to understand is often spiritual or sloth or sloth is manifest through a busyness. We do everything but what's important. We do all things except that one thing we need to really be doing. You know when he says, Martha, Martha, Mary's chosen the better part. So Martha's doing a lot of stuff. But she's not doing the one thing necessary, which is sitting at the feet of Jesus. So if you look at your life and you see how you do a lot of things, but you don't have time to pray. You don't have time to spiritual read, do spiritual reading. You don't have time for silence or to stop into the adoration chapel. I don't have time. I got so much to do today. I got this, I got that. See, the devil just keeps us so busy that we never do what's necessary we keep putting it off. And it's very subtle, but it's also very, again, deceptive because we actually um, um, think we're accomplishing a lot of things, which we might be. But the one thing necessary, our prayer life is suffering. Our relationship with the Lord starts falling apart. Okay, so this sluggishness of the mind, an inordinate love for rest, neglecting or admitting our spiritual duties or physical or mental duties, um, Again, sloth takes, uh, takes us from 
it takes out of the physical realm only. It's not just the physical realm. It's, again, the mental and the spiritual as well. And I'd like to talk just about four types of sloth. First is the sloth of the intellect. Again, it's just that sluggishness of thought. We get vaguely, um, we have vague occupations in our mind. We fill our prayer with um, daydreaming. I mean, we've all probably experienced that. You know, that's sloth, where you just are sitting there, you're daydreaming in your prayer. Or you fill up your whole prayer time with reading stuff. Because you want to get something. You want to feel something. But you're not feeling anything, so you fill up your whole prayer time with reading information. You're just getting data. But you never once, and I've seen this in my own life, is I'm in my holy hour and I'm praying it. And I never once pick up my head to look at the tabernacle because I'm so focused on what I'm reading. And before you know it, your hour goes by and you never even took time to gaze upon Jesus and let him gaze upon you. You never really received love. You just did a lot of stuff in your prayer. And you could see how the subtlety of that is like, oh, I learned a lot in my prayer. I just read the whole chapter on the spirit of sloth or sloth. I, I, I learned a lot. Yes, but what about the relationship? I did a lot. Yeah, the word is I is the key word there. I did a lot in my prayer. But what did I do? Did I listen to the Lord? Did I ask him how he wanted to speak to me or an area of my life he might want to pour his love into or healing into? You know, did I bring anything to the Lord? Did I relate my heart to him? Did I listen? Did I give him a space to speak to me? Did I meditate in silence any? Just again, to let the Lord have that room in my life. And Jesus says in, uh, or, or Paul, St. Paul says in Romans 13, 11, he says, it's now the hour for you to wake from your sleep because there is sin lurking at your door. That's what Paul says. Now's the time to wake from your slumber because sin is lurking at your door. Meaning when you're in prayer, your posture can really help you to guide your mind and heart in prayer. If I'm kind of sitting down in my seat in prayer and just kind of like, you know, like basically almost like I'm in a lazy boy. Now, I'm not saying all the time that's bad, but there is a very, there's a danger in becoming so relaxed in prayer that I never pray. And then we cut our prayer short because we're tired. Well, the spirit of sloth also works with what time are you going to bed at night? If you're going to bed so late and then you're getting up and then you wonder why you're falling asleep in your prayer time, you know, it's not rocket science, put it together. You need more sleep so that your prayer can be more fruitful. Because if your prayer's fruitful, you're going to have more energy. You're going to be clear on your mission and purpose throughout each of moments of your day. And then the people you meet and the tasks that you must accomplish will not be, oh, I got to do this, or oh, I got to do that, or oh, I got to do this, or oh, I got to do that. It'll become actually life-giving because you're not doing it to get it done. You're doing it with the Lord because your prayer life's strong and you're in relationship with him. And so everything you're doing is in relationship with the Lord. So watch your prayer posture. Watch how you pray. You know, I'm not saying you have to kneel the whole time in prayer, but sitting up straight, you know, St. Ignatius talks about that, you know, our posture in prayer. You know, for some people, kneeling a long time is uncomfortable and distracting. But for sometimes, our bodies need that reminder when we start prayer. You know, even this is a reminder 
that I'm not just in my living room watching TV, but I'm sitting with the Son of the living God, and I'm going to kneel here, and even bowing or genuflecting. These are all important parts of staying on top of, you know, as, far, as, as a, um, St. Francis used to call his body brother ass. Because his body, you know, it's, like, it's kind of like a donkey. You've got to pull it around. It's stubborn. You've got to pull your, pull your body around. Get it over here. Get it going. Because it's like, it's kind of sluggish. And it kind of wants to call its own shots and do what it wants to do. We can be very rebellious toward discipline. So these are all, this is all regarding the spirit um, of, of sloth or sloth. So again, keep that in mind um, as, you, uh, as you are praying through um, the examination of conscience, which all again are on the website. So if you haven't, if you missed any of the others or you, or you want to go back and review, I just would encourage you to uh, go to the website and dive into that. Um, okay? So wake up from your sleep. He's not talking about physical waking up. He's talking about spiritual. Wake up spiritually. You need knowledge. You need to know you're in this world, but you're not of this world. You need to know your mission, okay? Because again, if you don't have purpose or mission, you just kind of get lackadaisical and just kind of, oh, it doesn't matter. Another thing with sloth is this. Someone else will do it. Somebody else will do it. You start to lose interest in doing what God's asking you to do because you're always putting the, passing the buck off to someone else. Somebody else will do that. Father's up here asking for help. Well, someone will raise their hand. There's, there's people at church that always do that stuff. They'll do it. Sloth got you. Or sloth got you. you, got, you got, you're, you're getting attacked by a spiritual laziness. Maybe God wants you. He doesn't want anyone else. He wants you to do it. Remember Moses when he was called? I don't know how to teach. I don't know how to talk. What do you mean you want me to go to Pharaoh and tell him? See, even that, that's sloth. That's spiritual laziness. Like God gives us what we need when we need it. He equips those he calls. I always say, right? He doesn't call those that are all equipped all the time. He sometimes calls those that are least ready. But he calls you because he has a plan in his life for you, okay? Okay. The sloth or sloth in the will. So we have the intellect. It's kind of like that vague preoccupation. The mind sluggishness, useless thinking things. It's like kind of like shallow, very shallow thought life. Then sloth of the will, it's a real laziness, again, in making choices. I kind of talked some about that already, but procrastination, not making choices. Remember this, not making a choice is ultimately making a choice. If you don't choose, you are really choosing. You're just choosing not to do. You're always making a choice, okay? We always are making choices. Again, tremendous procrastination, a lack of zeal, we don't even make the effort anymore. It's that whole idea. I'm not even going to make the effort. I'm old. I'm done. I did, you know, when I was young, I did all those things. But now, you know, I'm old. I'm retired. I've even retired from praying too much. Now everyone else can pray. <laughs> See? That's, that's a spiritual laziness. Like, now's the prime time. God's like, I was just about to make you an, a, an MVP on the spiritual playing field. But you walked off the field. You're never too old or too young to become a saint. That's why you look at our church history. There are people that are very young that became saints. Look at Francesco, Jacinta, Maria. Little kids and in lords that became saints. And there's a bunch of them, not just a few. Um, look at little Maria Goretti. 
13 years old, stabbed to death by this guy who was addicted to pornography. And she forgave him on her deathbed. She's a great saint for purity in our church. These are, look at little Trez, a little flower, dying at what, 24, 23? She died so young. These are young, young people. And then you have the older saints, and you have married saints. We're all called to be saints. So we need to get away from the sluggishness, you know, and start engaging the Lord in our, in our prayer lives. It all starts with prayer. All back to prayer, okay? Okay, so putting things off little by little, like small little chores, your things on your desk pile up. I, this is like right at me, okay? <laughs> things on my desk pile up. You're not dealing again. It's always that Martha, 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 Mary, Martha, Martha. Mary chose the better part. Well, every time you're going to do something, think, okay, what's the better part in this moment? It might be to do what you're doing, but to do it with him, not alone. Don't do it. Don't run the sweeper alone. Jesus, I'm going to offer this sweep vacuuming up of the house for uh, somebody in the world that lost their faith. Jesus, I'm going to offer up, you know, finishing up this paperwork on my desk that I don't want to do, but I'm going to do it for love of you, and I'm going to offer it up for somebody that you know, I'm um, struggling in their marriage or family. You see, knowledge. I'm connecting my life on earth with his life. It's a mission-minded person, faith-informed. I'm walking in faith. I'm not just doing things to get them done. What a boring life. I mean, that's why a lot of people don't engage the spiritual realm because they think this is church time and then when we go out there, it's world time. I got to do my work. I got to go to work. I got to put gas in the car. I got to feed the kids. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to run them to practice here, run them there. Do it with the Lord. It's all valuable to God. But the devil wants to darken our minds, weaken our wills so that we just live this very monotonous, boring, humdrum life. And we start to lose purpose and meaning. And then we start to go downward and get very depressed and very disappointed in the life that we have. We lose that love and we lose that fire that God wants us to have. So sloth is very deceptive. It's very hidden often. It's kind of sometimes hard to recognize. So so through the body now, the body. Let's talk about the body a minute. So often it has to do with just being, you know, snail pace and doing things. Again, we're very attracted to ease, comfort, back to that, you know, just kind of out of balance. Again, and this can be spotted in a very busy, a lot of busyness, as I said, um, just being very busy. And we can be so busy that we neglect our spiritual life and our relationship with God. And we might see, with this, we might see a person who's very active in doing a lot of good things, but they never have time to pray. I kind of mentioned that already. They don't have time to journal. They don't see the point. I have a lot of stuff to do. I don't have time to journal, write out my feelings and thoughts to God. I mean, how's that going to help me anyhow? I got so much stuff I got to do. See, that's the spirit of, of sloth. Why don't you value your own thoughts and feelings enough to share them with the Lord? we got to bring them to the Lord. If you don't bring them to the Lord, it's going to add up and pile up. And eventually you're going to explode on people. 
You're going to overreact. You're going to become very irritated because you're not sharing it with the Lord. You're taking it into yourself. And it's like a desk that's never dealt with. And there's papers piling up after piling up more and more and more. And eventually that desk will fall apart. It'll get crushed. We are the same way. We must take time. Don't let Satan convince you that you just can forget about that. No worries. Ah, I forgive that person. No problem. I forgive that person. Have you brought it to the Lord? Have you asked the Lord about it? Don't just presume that you're okay. Everything's good. Because we always do that. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm okay. See, we get in this bad habit of just answering, but we're not paying attention to our hearts. And our hearts are hurting. They're being suffocated, oppressed, really heavy. Because we're not relating it to Jesus. And I would just ask you to try this. It might sound kind of very, uh, you know, childlike, but that's the whole point, right? We become childlike. Share your thoughts. IPF teaches us. Share your thoughts, your feelings, and your desires with Jesus. What am I thinking right now? So I would, I would talk those out loud to him in prayer or in my journal or just speak them out under my breath so he can, sharing them is important. And then you would go to your feelings. What am I feeling? Share them with the Lord. See, that's coming against sloth. It's coming against spiritual laziness. Because we often don't, we don't take the time to respect and value our interior life. The person that's so busy that they have no interior life, they don't have the di discipline that the interior life requires. And it's probably reflective of our human relationships as well. If I can't relate to myself, how in the world am I going to relate to others, and especially my spouse or family or friends? How can I relate to you as a priest if I'm not relating with my own self as a human being? If I'm so busy that I don't have time for me, how in the world am I going to have time for you? How am I going to help you if I don't even embrace myself? And then the danger there is what? You become tasks for me to accomplish rather than people to love. And that happens in marriages. It happens in all kinds of relationships. But you got to be, again, just, these are just cautions to see how the spirit of... These are, remember, these are seven, these seven deadly sins, they're spirits. They're demons. Pride is a demon. Anger, envy, lust, gluttony, greed, sloth. These are demons. They're, they're, they're spiritual persons that are invisible, but they want us to lose what God wants us to gain. And again, knowledge. You need knowledge to see this. Otherwise, we just kind of walk through the walk and we lose our focus, okay? Okay, so we need to take care of ourselves physically um, proper rest and eating the right things. That's why I kind of do this in conjunction with the physical detox. Because we're not just, and I don't see wings in here. There's no angels in this church other than the ones we can't see. But you guys aren't angels. You have a body. And your body needs rest. Your body needs proper nutrients. If your body's getting empty calories, it's not going to be healthy. And your soul's going to have to struggle with that. Because we're not providing ourselves with the necessary nutrients um, physically to become saints. And again, you got to want this. you got to really want it. And it's, again, as I said last week, it's not, I'm not talking about dieting. I'm talking about fasting. 
Again, dieting and fasting, two disciplines with two different motives, right? Dieting's motive is me. I want to lose weight. Fasting's motivation is love of God, that I want to love God more with my body. I want to be more of a temple. I want to worship him. I want to be more fruitful. I want to reach my potential. I want to be a saint. That's why I fast. So if you're ever going to do a diet, don't waste your time. Use it as a fast. Make it into a fast. Do it for the love of God. Remember, we're temples. Take care of your temple, your body. Take care of your temple, okay? So we need rest and we need to eat the right things. And if we do not, again, we're going to be tired and we're going to be very um, slothful or, or, or just kind of dragging. Um, we're going to be dragging. <clears throat> so this mental and spiritual laziness often leads again to that physical laziness. Um, and again, it's subtle. Um, and so isn't it interesting? We have all these gadgets, right, that are supposed to make our life easier and free up our time. They actually, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? We're not, our time's not being freed up. It's actually being more sucked into all this technology. I'm not saying it's not good. Technology can be good, but I don't think we know how to properly use it. I think we misuse so many of these good things. And we use them to run. I know for me, if I don't put my phone on airplane when I'm in the chapel, I will definitely, because I have my breviary on here, my, my prayers for my priest are on here. But I actually, I prefer the book because often you'll see, you know, little messages will come down. <laughs> it's like, you know, wanting to shut them off. That's why I put it on airplane so I can't get any messages when I'm in there with Jesus. Because that's my time with Jesus. And I need, we need to have that time alone with him. And it's so tempting, isn't it, when we're in a dry time in our prayer life or spiritually we're being purified and emptied out of our, of our feelings and, and we're not feeling anything and we feel disconnected. It's easy, to, again, to shorten our prayer and to just kind of forget about it. And it's easy to go to our little gadget and start entertaining ourselves, stimulating our minds. You know, entertainment. We always want to be entertained. That's why even the Mass... There's a temptation for people like, you know, they come to Mass because they'll say, well, you know, um, you know I'm bored. I don't, I, don't, I don't get anything out of the Mass. Well, we've all felt bored at Mass at times. But see, someone with knowledge will be, okay, that's okay. I'm not aware of what's going on at Mass. That's why I'm bored. And number two, maybe God's asking me to join my boredom to Him. He's like, no one visits me either. So will you share that with me, that you feel bored? Will you give me your boredom? Will you share it with me? As, that's your sacrifice. When you bring up the gifts, bread and wine, you're going to put your boredom on the altar because you love God more than your boredom. You're willing to offer your boredom with him, in him, and through him to the Father. For all those that are bored, there's a difference between struggling with boredom and giving in to boredom. There's a difference between Struggling with impatience and giving into impatience. The person that gives into it is entering into the sin. The person that's wrestling it is in spiritual combat. That's a soldier. That's a prayer warrior. That's a person that understands, I'm not going to give myself over to that particular sin. But I'm going to offer it with Jesus, in Jesus, through Jesus, to the Father. 
I'm going to stay on the cross. I'm not going to come off the cross and become bored. I bet there were a lot of people, you know, that, that were around Jesus throughout his life. They're like, I'm bored. Okay, I heard enough. You know, he performed a few miracles. Now what? You know, now what? I got stuff to do at home. I'm going to move on. Like, even if Jesus appeared here in, in the, this church and he just, like, stood right here and he did a miracle up here, I guarantee you, guaranteed, 100%, this, there would be no room in this church for a few months. And then little by little, people would start going back to their old way. Because Jesus didn't come to just do miracles and put on a show. He came to teach us about love, and he's going to start talking about loving in your marriages, loving others, forgiving others. And when people start feeling Jesus challenging them, they're like, oh, Jesus ain't putting on a show anymore, so now I'm going to go away because I'm uncomfortable with the challenges that Jesus is putting into my court now. I, I don't like that. I want to keep it me watching Jesus or just kind of entertain me Jesus. Jesus is going to call us to communion with him. He's going to call everyone in this church up onto that cross. Father Mark's sister just died. He actually left today, today this morning for uh, the funeral. And uh, he told me, you know, when he was with his sister, um, they have a big family, beautiful family. And, you know, many of you have seen, you know, when people are dying, you know, like she, could, she was so thirsty, he said, but every time she'd just drink a little bit of water, she'd throw it up. She just couldn't keep water down. And they prayed the rosary together and she like slowly lifted the cross and kissed it. And he was just telling me like, he's starting, it takes us a long time to get this, but he was starting to realize his sister is living the mass, living the passion. See, our world don't understand that. That's why our world often will say, that's why the, there's people in the world that are for euthanasia. They don't see the value in suffering because they don't have God in their lives. And as Catholics, we have such an amazing gift as Catholics to understand that we can participate in the offering of Christ. I can save souls with my cancer if I had it. I could save souls with my sinus infection, with my headache. See, sloth or sloth is like we're always running from our mission. We're never remaining with him on the cross. We're always running, trying to escape our responsibility to save souls. Jesus' heartbeat was one thing, souls, souls. Every beat of his heart was a desire to save souls. Souls, 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 souls. Jesus thirsted for souls, hungered for souls. So I would ask everyone in here, pray for a desire to want to save souls. Pray that it so bothers you that you can't even sleep without praying for souls to be saved. Pray that your heart becomes his heart. That you burn with passion to save souls. But you see, when we kind of like that glaze just comes over us and we become mediocre, checked out, and we wonder why the spiritual life is boring or mass is boring. It's boring because we're not in touch with our own humanity. We're running from ourselves. 
If you engage your own heart, mind, body, and soul, because you are the body of Christ, then mass will be the most amazing thing of your week and your day. Because see, when, when young people, for example, young people say, well, mass is boring, I don't get anything out of it. It's probably because you, you spend very little time going into your own heart, into your own life. You're always on this gadget or you're always doing this, you're always watching TV, you're always doing something out here, but you're never really engaging the body of Christ. We're his body. I'm his body. Okay, so think about that. <clears throat> so we can have this indifference, let someone else do it, kind of an attitude. Okay, there's a scripture, Mark 7, 37, that scripture says, he has done everything well, referring to Jesus. He has done everything well. It's a scripture to think about. He's done everything well. The word from the cross that comes against the sin, <clears throat> remember there's seven last words of the cross. We gave a last word for each of the capital sins. Jesus won for us the grace on the cross when he spoke these words. It is finished. It is finished. He won for us the grace to come against spiritual laziness when he says, it is finished. Meaning he did what the Father asked him to do. He didn't procrastinate. He didn't put it off. It even cost him his life. And he still did it. Remember Mary, Blessed Mother, what'd she say? Do whatever he tells you. Prompt obedience comes against. Don't wait too long. When God says to forgive someone, if you wait and you put it off, it's going to get harder and harder to do. And you're going to become very much at ease with unforgiveness. Just be obedient. He did everything well. Okay? House cleaning. How many of us, when, a come, when our guests come over, sweep everything under the rug and stuff the closets full? We've all done that, right? But the point is, is behind that is, often we're putting off our responsibility to do what we need to be doing at home. And this is kind of tricky. Maybe this would apply to, to, to some of you more than others at times, but we can even, being in the chapel can even be a form of spiritual laziness. And what I mean by that, we want to pray, but we don't want to do the dishes or clothes. Or we don't want to do the vacuum or put gas in the car. We don't want to do something at home so we come to the chapel, and in our minds, it's like, oh, I'm before Jesus. Everything's all good. I'm praying, right? But really inside, the Lord's like, get in the car, go back home, and do the dishes. But like, you would never think Jesus would like, leave the chapel. But the truth is, is Jesus wants us to be faithful to our vocation. Our vocation, holiness comes through your vocation. So when you're here, it's to receive his grace. But there's times when we're meant to be in dedicated prayer, and then there's times where we're meant to be doing our tasks at home. Now, I would say it's often flip side for many. Many avoid the chapel because they'd rather be doing something else, which we've all fallen into that too. But I'd say for some of us, I mean, even myself at times, like I have a big pile of stuff on my desk, right? <laughs> or I have my, my, many of you might have experienced this, my, my uh, voicemails are full, and I don't want to check them right now. So I'll sit in the chapel and pray. 
And again, it's, it's, it's a balance. You got to be kind of have an ability to see yourself clearly and be sober-minded. You can't just be like, uh, you know, it's not always, if you've not spent time in the chapel, obviously you need to do that. But if I've done my prayer time and, and I've done my hour and I've done my prayers, I should probably be doing um, the Lord's work in other areas. And all of that is prayer. It's not like that's prayer. See, you see that, <clears throat> um, that dichotomy between I'm only praying when I'm at Mass or I'm in the chapel. When I'm doing stuff at home, I'm not praying, I'm working. That's wrong, wrong, wrong. See, that mindset separates your life from God. When you come to Mass, you're bringing your whole week or your whole day to the altar. And it's with him, in him, and through him that you did all you did. And I've explained this before, but <clears throat> think of that altar as an exchange post between heaven and earth. Everything you do every day, the good, the bad, the ugly, all that you do, <clears throat> you put it on God's exchange post, set it on the altar. So you take what's natural, your everyday human activities, your, your, your talents, your treasures, your time, your ups, your downs, your highs, your lows, and you value them enough to know that God let you do what you did and you made something out of the time you've been given, the talents you've been given, and the treasures you've been given. You've done something with them. I, I made things happen with my hands today. I made things happen with my feet. I made things happen with my time, my talent, my treasure. Those are natural things. They will die with me until I give them over to him. When I put my day, my week on that altar and I give it to the hands of Jesus, it moves from human now to divine. It moves from temporal to eternal. So when I die, if I chose to put my life on the altar, all the things I have did in my life don't die when I die. But they live forever. And I receive the rewards and merits of Jesus. Because it's not I who live, it's Christ who lives in me and through me. It's Jesus that ran the sweeper, did the dishes, put gas in the car, finished the paperwork, answered those phone messages. It's all Jesus that did all that. But see, do you really believe that? Do we believe that? If we believe that, then we wouldn't do everything as a mundane task to just get done. We would do it well. And we would do it for the Father's glory. We would do it attentively, engaged. And I'm saying this is not easy stuff to do, but this is the discipline. This is the bar that God sets. This is what the saints worked at day in and day out. It's coming against the spiritual sluggishness. Put your life on that altar. Your drive here, maybe for some of you getting here tonight was, was a task because... It takes you time to get ready and get up and get going and this and that. And getting here is you can unite that to the Lord. Give it to him. Put it on the altar. And when you give it to Jesus, he takes your difficulty in getting dressed and walking out the door and making your way here. He takes that from a human thing and he transforms it into grace. And then that grace is released all over the world on different people's lives. And then when you die one day, you'll look and you'll be like, in a good sense, oh my God, I can't believe what you did with my drive to church that night. You saved 15 people from going to hell. How did you do that, Jesus? And he just says, you know, 
you give it to me and I can do great things. He took five loaves and two fish and he fed thousands. He could take my drive to church and save many souls. St. Teresa, the little flower, did this. Listen to this. She says um, something here that uh, is powerful. Listen. If you're ever feeling a little like spiritually lazy or sluggish, start doing sacrifices. This is what the little flower says. The little flower learned very beautifully this. She said, <clears throat> when her zeal, when her zeal and that fire would start to go out in her spiritual life, she would offer other sacrifices. And she referred to these as little sacrifices throughout the day, as, as straws, like little straws, pieces of straw. And she says, each little sacrifice was like a little straw that she would feed into the flame of God within her. And it would fan the flame. One little straw, then another little straw, then another, until her zeal and the fire for God and his people would come back into her soul. Feeding our spiritual lives with these little sacrifices all day long, knowingly and willingly, is a great practice to come against spiritual laziness. So if you're feeling kind of like your feet are dragging and you're just like not there, start offering sacrifices for people. And you'll be amazed how that fire just starts to burn brighter and stronger um, in your soul. Okay? Now, <clears throat> again, clean your houses. <laughs> I got to clean mine too, so. Okay, um, Revelation. Listen to this. I know your deeds. This is from Scripture. Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. I know your deeds. I know you are neither cold nor hot. How I wish you were one or the other, hot or cold. But because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I will spew you out of my mouth. God doesn't want us lukewarm. He wants us hot or cold. Because someone that's lukewarm isn't really facing reality. Either you're for him or you're against him. And in our deepest motivations and intentions, when I wake up in the morning, I'm for the Lord or I'm not. And if you're for him, get your boots ready to fight. Get ready. Get your arms. Take up arms against the spiritual battle because this spirit will, will, will try to usurp or keep you from living out that mission that I just explained about the mass. That evil spirit will try to again, hey, you know, take it easy, you know. You ever meet people that, you know, they're like, they're uncomfortable because someone's so on fire with God. Like, take it easy, you know. You're, you're, you're a little bit strong. You're, you're being too strong, you know. I'm not saying that we, we need to get in people's faces, but what I'm saying is, you, there's, a, there's a good sense of like someone that's on fire, that's burning on fire. It's, I'm not saying that, you know, we can all be a little immature when we're beginning that journey. But God wants us to be on fire. And if it makes other people comfortable, uncomfortable, then that's maybe a part of them being invited in. Jesus made people uncomfortable. John the Baptist made people uncomfortable. We do at times make people uncomfortable. I get uncomfortable at times. There's people here that are holier than me. There's people that are holy. And these people can convict us. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all. So don't become mediocre and let it creep in. Um, don't become too busy for prayer, 
Because if you do, you're going to be fatigued and wearied and you're going to lose your energy. Remember this, God the Holy Spirit is uncreated energy. He's uncreated. He's infinite in his energy and power. So if you're feeling, you know, like today, I was, I, I had a good night's sleep last night and I was in the chapel praying, preparing today and I was like dozing off a lot. And I just like, I fought it. And I like got myself up and I focused on Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. I just focused on him. And it, I felt like he burned off that laziness. He just started burning it off of me. Because I was engaging my prayer life. I wasn't just like, okay, when's prayer going to start happening? When's prayer going to start happening? And you're just kind of like there. And you might read something. You might check your phone. When's prayer going to start happening? Start it now. Like, thank you, Lord, for letting me experience this right now. I'm going to offer it to you for someone in the world. I'm going to pray my chaplet of mercy. I'm going to roll through a rosary. I'm going to focus on you. See, that's zeal. That's God's power moving in us. That's uncreated energy. We stop striving per for perfection. We compare ourselves with people out there like, man, I'm going to Mass. You know, I'm, I'm at this talk tonight. I'm doing pretty good. But we don't compare yourself with anyone but the Lord. Remember that. God's not calling you to be better than other people. He's calling you to be like him, okay? So you can see how the spiritual laziness or sloth can lead to discouragement, moodiness. You're very moody, kind of discouraged. It's because you're not getting what you want. And you're kind of giving into the battle. You're, 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 you're throwing in the towel in many ways at times, right? It can lead to depression and a feeling of being oppressed. It's a very oppressive feeling. A loss of meaning in life and leads to spiritual blindness and it weakens our will because um, we're not making the choices that are necessary to be made. Okay? Remember, being a saint is not natural. Being a Christian is not natural. It's supernatural. You can't be a Christian and just be natural. You, as a Christian, you're called to be supernatural, meaning filled with grace. God's supernatural life, filled with grace. Okay? Um, let's see here. Uh, this spiritual laziness um, will destroy love in our relationship with God and others because basically we'll become prayerless. We'll stop praying. It'll, it'll keep bringing us to that. And we could then become pessimistic, judgmental, discouraged. And just we stop caring. You ever meet like that? You never felt that? Like you just don't care anymore? That's, that's spiritual laziness. You don't get angry anymore. You're so detached that you can like, you're indifferent. You're very indifferent in, in a bad sense of the term indifferent. Like, well, whatever happens, I'm whatever, you know. And you see this a lot with even voting in our nation, like voting. A lot of people, you know, people that don't care, like, oh, I'm not going to vote, it doesn't matter. See, that's indifference. It does matter that we all do our part. Like, I'll, how's my, you know, me coming to church or coming to mass, you know, all these other people are coming, you know, what's it going to matter for me to be there? That's indifference. God can save souls through you and I. To see... That's where the gift of the Holy Spirit, you need to beg for knowledge. When I'm not living in the Holy Spirit, I can't see the value of my own life. I don't see the value of doing, why do anything? What's the point? Why go to confession or why sit in a chapel? I have so many things to do at home. 
well, why should I come to Mass? You know, what? everyone else is here. Um, I've met a number of people even recently, you know, that are very broken, that are be like, you know, uh, um, what if God doesn't want me? They even, that, that's what they even believe. Like, that God, why, maybe God, I'm too far from God to even come back. That's how some people, they're struggling there. But see, that's that spirit just suffocating, trying to destroy their relationship with the Lord, okay? So let's choose the better portion, huh? I would encourage you all to choose the better part. Like Martha, Martha, Mary chose the better part. Don't, don't have a let someone else do it attitude or um, procrastinating or carelessness or, um, you know, always. Oh, this is a good one for me. Always being late. <laughs> always late for everything. That's spiritual laziness. And, you know, bottom line is tardiness is an offshoot of the sin of sloth. Um, regular tardiness. Um, because the love and respect for the people you're going to be with, you owe them that, being on time, right? I'm talking to myself, right? And it's disrespectful not to be on time. So tardiness starts a lack, with a lack of charity, lack of love for the people you're going to be with. So, like, for me, like, I never factor in travel time. I don't know why. I think I can just, I think I just bilocate and be there. <laughs> not yet, right? But... Like, for me, like, I just got to factor in, like, it's going to take me. And see, and for me, this is something I'm learning even as a priest, but when I go somewhere, I can't just expect to walk across the parking lot and get to my destination because I'm going to meet a bunch of people along the way. And as a spiritual father, I want to be able to be with my spiritual children and share with them and take time with them. So what I'm trying to do now in my life, if you could maybe pray for this grace for me, but, you know, to... To give enough time so that I'm not feeling that stress or that rush or like I have to get to this point. But to give myself enough time to factor in that time to just hang out with people and be with people more. And that's important. So I, I just you know, encourage you to think about that too is when you're going somewhere, factor in, expect being, I like to call them right, holy interruptions. They're good things. Um, the whole point is relationship, right? It's not about getting something done. It's about entering into a relationship with people and with each other and God. Um, and this is important for us all. So think about that. Um, if we do not have passion for the truth, we're going to look for other things to make us happy. St. Augustine said, He who has God has everything, and he who has everything but God has nothing. Let's see here. There's, there's a, just a few other points I'm going to make um, on this one. And, um, this is a good one, I think, for parents, for, for families. Listen. Parents particularly have to be very careful as they can get so busy running the household and taking children back and forth to activities that the beautiful, intimate time with each other gets lesser and lesser. And they can develop into problems in their marriage. So if you're so busy taking everyone everywhere, but you never have time to be together as a family, then you got to reprioritize. Don't put it off. Don't delay. There's delay tactics. you got to act. you got to sit down and say, okay, this is a problem, and we're going to address it. And you're the parents, not the kids, right? So sometimes you got to say, you're not playing all these sports. 
Um, this, this whole idea of like you have to play all these sports, just because so-and-so is doing it doesn't mean we have to do that as a family. It's unhealthy to be doing all this stuff and never having any time for the Lord. You know, and, and we see that even at every parish's priest. You know, many of the kids even that go to all the Catholic schools, they'll come into the confessional and confess, well, we don't go to Sunday Mass. Now, they're at their sporting events, but they're not at Sunday Mass. There's a major problem there, and that's not the kids' fault, but the parents are blinded, and they don't see the importance of putting first things first. You know, Martha, Martha, what's the better part? It's not getting a trophy. It's getting to heaven. But see, when you're so full of the knowledge of the world, we want to be special in this world. We want to fit into this world. We want to be recognized and acknowledged in this world. That's not God's call. He didn't say we would be acknowledged and special always in this world. Look at him. Do we identify with Jesus? He was far from special in this world. He was killed on a crucifix, on a cross. So at times, we're going to be laughed at by the world because of our family and what we choose to do. And our kids, it's hard because when you, you know how it is with your children. They have their friends that are doing all these things and then we're not doing all these things. Or so-and-so bought that dress. Mom, I want that dress. And we, you know, without trying to say, well, she's dressed, you know, like a prostitute. We don't dress like that. You don't want them to be like, hey, my mom just said you dress like a prostitute. <laughs> but you kind of get the point. You got to teach your children, you know, this is, you don't have to focus on the other. You could say, you know, we're temples of God. And this is how we dress because our bodies are holy. Our bodies are sacred. And if you teach them as they're little growing up, they're going to be way better off than trying to teach a 16 or 15-year-old that, right? When they get to that point, it's really hard, right? Talk about spiritual warfare in your, in your house. I mean, there's a major spiritual warfare in that home, right? And we've all experienced this at different levels. And this is the reality of life. It is messy. It's not easy. But I would ask you, see, when parents just check out of the relationship, say, Get him to dress it, don't worry about it. Let him do this, don't worry about it. See, that's spiritual laziness. You're, you're not embracing your vocation to be a pain in the butt to your kids. Sometimes we gotta be a pain to our kids because we love them. It's not meant to be easy. Just like a priest, right? Never talking about hell, never talking about anything that's gonna maybe make people uncomfortable. You know, that's not being a spiritual father or a spiritual mother, whatever it be, but we need to... Not be afraid of conflict. Look at Jesus. He handled it well. And sometimes we do got to just suck it up and say, thank you, Lord, I offer this up to you. I, I, I unite my sufferings to you. Sometimes your kids are the ones that crucify you. And sometimes we're the ones, you know, that crucify them when we sin, when we, when we aren't acting properly. And it's not, giving, it's not doing anyone a favor to just pretend everything's hunky-dory. So if we're going to mature in the spiritual life, we got to grow beyond the desire to make things easy. If you're going to be a saint, a spiritual warrior, which I believe everyone here wants to be, you got to grow beyond your desire to just make things easy. That's not the model of Jesus. He says, come to me, all who are heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. He didn't say, I'll make everything easy. He says, I'll give you rest. You can rest on that cross with the Lord. There is a rest that's mystical. Many of the saints experience this, this mystical union when you're 
lifted up on the cross and you feel this warmth and joy in your heart even though you're being crucified. There's a joy in rejoicing your suffering. St. Paul said it. You know, it's like, well, how, how do you understand? You can't explain that to people out in the world. They're not going to get it. Not that it's necessary to even explain it. But the point is, is, don't be afraid of being lifted up on that cross and being obedient. And do only and always what pleases the Father. That's how Jesus lived. He did what pleased the Father. He didn't do what pleased anyone else. As long as it pleased his Father, he did it. And that's why he's the only one that could save us. Because he's perfect in so many of these um, ways. So what you can just real briefly, that delay tactic, again, delay tactics. Be, be careful of the delay tactic, putting things off. Let's pray for the mind of Jesus. You know, St. Paul says in Romans 12 too, do not conform yourselves to this world or this age, but be transformed by what? The renewal of your minds. That you may, what? Judge what is God's will. What is good, pleasing, and perfect. And St. Paul said in Thessalonica, in Thessalonians, never cease praying. It doesn't mean stay in a chapel all day and avoid everything. It means always have a spirit, a knowledge that everything I do, I'm going to do with, in, and through Jesus. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, and, and this is something I do. You know, before you take a drive, you pray. Lord, I offer this drive up to you. Keep me safe. You just gave it to the Lord. Does anyone know the morning offering here? Many of you probably know that. If you don't know the morning offering, type on your computer, morning offering. Put Catholic Church morning offering or something. And a prayer comes up, print it out and put it in your car, put it on your bedpost. Do not do anything without starting with that prayer. Because that prayer, in a nutshell, joins your whole life and day to the Mass. And that gives your life value and meaning because it's connected to the eternal, the heavenly. Again, our lives don't have value outside of Jesus. And what do I mean by that? Everything we do will die with us when we die unless we give it to him. Because he's the only thing, he's the only one that can save us from living a life that has no purpose or value. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 1-2, Vanity of vanities, all things are vanity. You know what that word in Hebrew means, vanity? Breath. Vapor of vapors, all things are vapor. And what it means is this. The only thing that goes with us is our love for God. Everything else we do is just a vapor. Everything's done. Everything you see, even these pews, this whole building one day will be vapor. There'll be nothing. But what goes on forever is our immortal souls and our choice to love God. And we can't do that apart from Jesus. See, we can't love the Father apart from the Son. That's why he came. If we could do this, he wouldn't have came. He came to win us the Holy Spirit so he in us again and again could love the Father through us again and again. So let go and let God. At every opportunity, pray in the Spirit. And listen to this in Matthew. This is Matthew 10, 22. Whoever holds out to the end will escape death. This is Luke 21. Be patient or by patient endurance you will save your lives. So we cannot give up. We don't want to give up. Um, and again, the word from the cross is it is finished. 
Jesus persevered in doing the Father's will when it was hard. Don't stop doing the God, the Father's will, even when it's hard. 